And we're starting off your Wednesday afternoon here on the muster, catching up with Jeff Grant, a man of many hats, but these days he is a Northern Southland farmer. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Welcome to the programme and back from your OE. How was it? Oh, good, Andy. Thanks very much. Um, it was a bit hard to get to the minus five uh, we're feeling today after uh, getting back yesterday. But look, um, firstly, a big shout out to MPI. Um, I'm not normally one to give government departments uh, a bit of a ring of favouritism, but I came through uh, Queenstown uh, from Brisbane yesterday, and uh, look, I was very impressed. Firstly, you got handed everyone got handed a pamphlet just reminding people that foot and mouth was in Indonesia, uh, especially for those returning from Bali and everything. And uh, because I'd visited both several uh, farms and also an abattoir in France, um, you know, I obviously declared on my uh, form that I had been. And you know, the, look, I thought the MPI did it very well in terms of. Checking through all your gear, uh, took away a couple of pairs of shoes and treated them straight away, um, which I identified as being ones that had been on, both on the farm and the abattoir. And I just thought that the whole process, in terms of just awareness for everybody coming back into the country about the risk, I thought was very well done. Yes, uh, we've got to give plaudits where they're needed to, so MPI recognising what's needed on the border. And coming from yourself, Jeff, it's quite an accolade too, given the current situation. So, yeah, well done, because we need to um, be this, keep this at the forefront of minds, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, you all know, every time you go through a heat you wouldn't know animals existed in terms of the capacity to check at the border. But I, I do think in New Zealand we are much better now than we were 20 years ago about just being aware and making sure everybody's aware, not just you know those from the farming community. Hey, Jeff, on your travels, how was it for travel? Uh, did you have many hassles? Yeah, look, I, I, I was reasonably lucky. It was always nice to get to the other end and come back again and find your suitcase on that travelling carousel as it comes out. The always helps, plane. yeah. But look, um, <laughs> it, uh, you just had to get used to, you know, I had a trip on the Eurostar cancelled and changed to, uh, you know, a different time and you have to go you know, normally you would have gone 45 minutes before the train left, you've got to be there at least an hour and a half and the queues are just a mile long. Interesting, the French uh, have taken a view that the British decided to get out of uh, the European Union and they weren't in a hurry to let you back in the country and so the process to get through at the border was quite slow but but uh, yeah, look, you'd heard horrendous stories in terms of the school holidays over there and people sitting on the motorways for, you know, 20 hours with three screaming kids in the background in their car waiting to get on a ferry. Um, so the disruption is still very evident. Uh, I think in Heathrow was looking for still somewhere around two and a half to 3,000 staff and you can get a job as a bag handler at the moment there at £35 an hour. Uh, when you compare to working in a pub at £16, it's a pretty attractive job, I would have £16 still pretty good. Jeeves and Oz over there, the average farm wage was about 6 six fifty an hour if you're lucky. Yeah, but I thought, you know, $70 an hour to just to work on a bag carrier. I mean, the, the shortages are, are quite horrendous. British Airways announced while I was there that the, they were doing no more uh, short, short-haul flights until the 15th of August because of the Heathrow cap. Uh, Gap was uh, absolutely pumping when I came out of there. So, it, um, you know, it is the summer holidays and, uh, you know, it's a busy time of the year, but the, the UK, European 
families are really taking to travelling across the across the channel in order to go on holiday. That um, that was really heaving in terms of traffic. Jeff, yeah. we spoke a couple of weeks ago while you're on your travels, um, and just a concern in the UK regarding the Ukrainian situation. Looking forward, as far as food security, um, as you got through your travels, did any indicators change that people were perhaps uh, looking at a different scenario? Look, I found both in Wales and England, and also uh, I had a week in France at a, in a farming village in, in about two hours south of Paris, and I, I was really uh, fascinated by the, just the turn of events in terms of thinking. So two aspects of being driven out of the Ukraine-Russian uh, conflict, and that is food security, so uh, change of attitude, uh, especially in France, uh, I'm told the same in Germany, where the the national government is really driving uh, the security of food. And so things like uh, climate change and the impact on the environment by farming practices had, had taken a back step. Uh, the first priority was to make sure uh, there, was, there was going to be food available going forward. And, there, you know, you did see examples of on the shelves of things like oilseed rape and... Uh, you know, cooking oils being short, uh, bread in, in some shortage, uh, which is, a, you know, for a first world country, is quite extraordinary. The other is energy. Um, gas is a big driver of uh, energy production in, in Europe and UK. And uh, in one of the farms I visited in Wales, they've got three large indoor uh, chicken raising for uh, the production of chicken meat. And uh, the guy was telling me his three-year contract finishes, and I think it was the end of October, uh, and his new gas price, which is the biggest cost of uh, running his chicken farm, was increasing by 67%. And so that, along with feed costs on farm, uh, remembering especially in UK and France, there's a lot of hard feed in terms of uh, fattening animals, their costs were going up 40 to 50 percent. Like us, they had the same with fertilizer, and so that was having that. They are the two big things: energy and food uh, uh, were the sort of number one things on the radar. So, farm gate inflation over there will be massive at the moment. Well, even in the, I mean, the UK, the inflation rate's sitting at 13 and a half percent. So, you know. Mm. Uh, with no indication of it coming back, and there is uh, still quite large disruption uh, in terms of what you would have known as historically just-in-time delivery of whether it's uh, commodity products or uh, services, and the shortage of labour is just quite extraordinary. Uh, you know, we've had problems here in New Zealand about the importation of. Uh, you know, seasonal workers, well, in UK and France, it, it's become to the point where people were up to 25% of their horticultural crops not being harvested. That's a great concern as well. We talk about it over here, and like you say, um, you know, trying to get staff into the country at the moment, coming into carving, for example, but if it's like that over in the UK, I'd imagine, though, it affects all sectors. It's just a worldwide problem at the moment too, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, it's similar to New Zealand, you know, and we see here in, you know, places like Wanaka and Queenstown and Tiana where they haven't got the labour to keep restaurants and hotels going at normal capacity. Uh, the same, exactly the same problem. In London, uh, it wasn't uncommon 
to see signs in front of, you know, cafes and restaurants, et cetera, saying that there will be a delay in service due to the shortage of staff. Uh, so it's a, it seems to be quite a worldwide problem. But the inflation aspect of their economy is exacerbated by Brexit, uh, and I think that the problems, especially in the UK, but even in uh, Central Europe, is, uh, is going to drag on for a bit longer than we probably uh, realising here in New Zealand. Yeah, it'll be interesting how it pans out in the not-too-distant future. Hey, Jeff Grant, we appreciate your time in the muster as always, especially after just getting off long haul. Good as gold, Andy. We'll catch up again sometime soon. Cheers. Jeff Grant there, always good to get his thoughts on the muster. Just arrived back uh, last night actually from his travels, so um, sounds like he had a good sleep on the plane, so he was able to get up and have a natter to us this morning. Going from 40 degrees in France to about minus 6 in Balfour is a bit of a shock to the system, I'd say. Up next on the muster for a Wednesday afternoon, Bryce McKenzie from Groundswell, New Zealand. Oh,